let's go to the book of Hebrews. Because once you see it one time, you'll never forget it. Once you see it just one time, you'll never forget it. And that's all I need you to do is just see what God is saying. Because uh, it's, it's an awesome thing when, when you're supposed to have Christ in you, enjoying the journey and still looking for him to come. That's an awesome thing. That's just like me married uh, to my wife 54 years this Christmas, and I'm still looking for somebody else. I'm not enjoying the journey. Somebody say amen. All right. You got to be able to enjoy what you have. Amen. All right. Now let's get right into God's word because we're going to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Lord, help me to go this way. I got so, many, so much word, I just got to ask God which way to go. Praise the Lord. From the book of Acts, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 9. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Sir. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 24. We're going to come to your camera over there. In verse 24. Hebrews 9, 24. This is where we're going to get our subject. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the truth, but in the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer, be, offer himself often as the high priest enter into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then much he has often suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Jesus died on the cross, put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. That's what he just got through saying. And unto them that look for him, he's talking to the Hebrews, unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So we want to talk about looking for Christ Jesus because I, I, I want to make sure you are not one of those people looking for him. You know, uh, it's an awesome thing to enjoy the Lord. You know, if, you, if you're not enjoying your salvation today, you need to enjoy enjoy. Your, your Lord. Amen. Now what I want to do today, I want to, I'm not going to dare to try to go back this morning. I'm going to pick up right where I was and I'm going forward because I got too much information as a recap. So you're welcome to listen to today's, this morning service on the Facebook. You can listen to the morning service or you can also uh, wait until a couple of days. You can get it on the podcast and you can watch it forever. All right. But anyway, get the word. All right. Now, let's go to the thing I was on this morning. I want to go to the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 24 and verse 36. We want to go back there. We're going to start right there and go forward. Because I want to show you, if you, if you hear the word, I don't have to explain it. You'll know the Lord was not talking to you. But we got, like I said before, we got 90 plus percent of people who go to church today waiting for Jesus to return. Most of the time when you hear a pastor preach a sermon, especially at a funeral, they always relate to what's happening to that person that's dead. Well, you know the Lord is going to come. When he comes, he's going to raise him from the dead. 
because that was a part of the Israel's salvation, that the Lord would raise him from the dead bodily, but also give him a glorified body. But see, the difference in our salvation is we were risen with Christ. See, if we ever, if we ever just hold on to that, the Bible said, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. See, so you got to understand, if you're already risen with Christ, you don't need to be risen again. Ain't that right? Because the resurrection is how you got in Christ. You were risen with Christ. You remember, he, remember the, he planted the one grain of corn, which is Christ, and then we came up with Christ. That's how it happened. We were risen with Christ. All right. Now, let's move on. We are the new creation. Say that with me. We are the, the new creation. Right, right. We were created in Christ Jesus. Do anybody hear what I'm saying? Somebody find that for me, what? We were created in Christ. That's Ephesians 2, I think, but I just want to get it. We were created in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2. I can't go no further. Let me go to this. You, you, got to, you got to see what, what happened with you. Ephesians chapter 2. See, we are the new creation. Ephesians chapter 2. We were created in Christ Jesus on the good works. Amen? All right, let's, let's look at it. Ephesians chapter number 2. I heard... Verse 10, okay. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Let's read that together. Put that on the screen. It says, for we are his workmanship. That word workmanship means new creation. See, we are his workmanship. We are his new creation. Created in Christ Jesus. See, you wasn't, you, 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 you are a different person. We were created in Christ. We are the new. But I'm going to show you. When I get to it, they are, they are the new Jerusalem, you are the new temple. They are the new heaven, you the new earth. See, it's not, it's, it's already been done. He destroyed the old Jerusalem, he destroyed the old temple. He already created a new Jerusalem and a new temple, and you got to know who that, that is. The new temple is where the Lord lives. Praise God. Oh, my God. No. Get excited. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship. We are his new creation. Created in, in Christ Jesus. That's why I told my daughter that was the greatest song she ever wrote. One day we're going we gonna to sing it again. All right. Created in Christ Jesus on the good works, which God has before, watch this, ordained that we should walk in them. We are the new creation. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Just going to do one more. When you realize who you are, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. See, you are not of the flesh no more. See, that's who they were. You are, that's not who you are. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 16 says, Wherefore, we, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet know we him no more. Why? Because therefore, if any man be in Christ, I say you were created in Christ. 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Look at somebody say, I'm a new creation. You've got to understand something. You are specially made. God created us in Christ. You've got to understand how you got here. You were created in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Watch this. All things are not going to be, are passed away. And all things are become new. And it wasn't by man, because the next verse said, all things are of God who has, past tense, reconciled us unto himself. That's an awesome thing. Now let's get, let's get into the word. You got to know who you are. Let's go to the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 24, verse 36. Matthew 24, 36. Now remember, looking for Christ Jesus can't be you. Well, I hope that your pastor's not you. Now watch what he says. This was a time of Christ's coming. Now, I want to say something about that because you have to understand when people say, well, no man can, they, they quote in this verse, in verse 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. Now, you can hear that. I used to hear that too, and I agree with that. No man can know the day or the hour the Son of Man come. Well, that was when Jesus said it. That was before the Holy Ghost was given. Because once the Holy Ghost come, he would take a mind and show it to you. He would show you things to come. So you got to understand the, the purpose of the Holy Ghost. They could not know then, but when the Holy Ghost come, we know all things. That's what the Apostle Paul said. We know all things because we have the mind of Christ. That was 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, the last verse. All right. Now, let's go on. It says, in verse number 36, we are in the Gospel of Matthew 24, 36. It says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so, also, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So he's telling you, if you know the word, when Christ came, it has to be as the days of Noah were. Now, he's going to tell you the next verse to go with that. For as in the days of Noah, before the flood. Otherwise, the reason why God made the ark, Noah made the ark, is so that people can be saved. So Jesus is letting them know why you think I'm here. I'm here to save you from the flood. Or save you from the trials and the tribulation and the persecution that's coming upon the world. See, that's what the floods were. That they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And what happened when Noah entered the ark? They knew not until the flood came and took them all the way. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now this morning I read to you Matthew 7, 24 and showed you the two houses, one built on the rock, one built on the sand. I'm not going back there. You can do that yourself. Verse 40 says, Then shall two be in the field, watch this, one be taken and the other left. Now he's talking about the word field. The word field means the world. The word feel mean what? Right, the world. You get that in Matthew 13, somewhere around 37, 38. The field is the world. So you have to understand that's what these terms mean. Two shall be in the field, one taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal, one shall be taken, the other left. You got to understand, he's talking about something that I'm going to get into in, in this teaching later. He's talking about just like two in one house. 
Well, he's talking about your spirit and your soul. They live in the same house, you know. All right. All right. And verse number, and one going to be taken on the left. All right. Your, your, your dirt going to be left here. All right. But then it said in verse 42, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. So you can get that right there. He's not talking to you. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was not our Lord. Remember, he didn't get to be our Lord until Paul got to be an apostle. All right, verse 43. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, you also be ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man come. So he told those people to be ready. Let's keep going. And then he gave them the faithful and the unfaithful servant. And one more I'm going to give you in Matthew 25. After this, it was 10 verses. See, if you listen to this right here, you ought to be wise enough to know he's not talking to Gentiles. In verse 45, he says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant? You know he's not talking about you. You're not a slave. That's what the word servant means, slave. He says, uh, Whom the Lord, when he cometh, when he cometh, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord has made ruler over his house? The Lord has made him ruler over his house. Remember, now you're the temple of God. He can't be talking about you. Nobody's a ruler over you. All right. Will give them their meat in due season. Blessed is that servant, see, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find doing. Verily I said to you that he shall make him rule over all his goods. But if the evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. And he began to smite his fellow servant and to eat and to drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he, when he looketh, he looketh not for him. And in an hour that he is not aware of. And shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And now he's going to go into what I really wanted with chapter 25, 10 virgins. Now he said, then, then, now he's progressing. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like unto ten virgins. Now why is he using ten virgins? Because they represent the ten tribes of Israel. They supposed to know what he was talking about. See, the ten virgins, Israel had twelve tribes. That's why I read to you this morning in the Gospel of St. Matthews and the Gospel of St. Mark, I read to you, uh, Matthew 3 and 5, Mark 1 and 5, you will see, I'm not going back to those, Matthew 3, 5, Mark 1 and 5, you will see when John the Baptist was baptizing, only two tribes came out to be water baptized, and that was Judah and Jerusalem. See, those, those tribes, Judah and Jerusalem, they repented, and they began to follow Jesus. They was called a little flock. But these other ten, they rebelled. See, it's the same thing happened when David got to be king. Only two tribes followed David. The rest left him. That's what's going on here. See, so these ten are going to have to go through persecution. These are the ten going to have to go through tribulation. See, watch this. In Matthew chapter 25, uh, Matthew 25, and let's go on to verse number one again. It said, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like unto ten virgins, which took their lamps 
and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now remember, he's talking about it because you know he's the bridegroom, right? Let me come to this camera. You're a little slow. All right. Five of them were wise and five foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midday, midnight, I'm sorry, there was a cry made. Listen, listen, I know you're talking, but you, I hear you well up here. Okay. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go rather to them that sell, buy for yourselves. And while they went, here they go, they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went, see, they didn't get the word, see? That's, that's what they were saying. They didn't get the word. They didn't have no oil for their lamp. So while they went to get the word, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready, already got the word, went in with him to the marriage, and then the door was shut. The Lord came, see, and they didn't make it because they were not ready. That's an awesome thing. Opportunity only lasts so long. Afterward came also the other version saying, Lord, Lord, open us. See, that's what happened in Matthew chapter 7. Many shall come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord. See, we'll go there and show you that in just a moment. After that, other came saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. That's Matthew 7, 21 through 23, in case I forget. And he, and he answered and said to them, Verily I said to you, watch this, I don't know you. Now that's an awesome thing for the Lord to say to you, I don't know you. You know why? Because during this lifetime, you said you don't know the Lord. And now when you die, you want a place to live for eternity. The Lord said, I don't know you. See, what do you mean? If you deny me, I deny you. You deny him now, he deny you later. Watch therefore, for you know not the day or the hour when the Son of Man coming. Now let's go back and show you Matthew 7, what I was telling you. See, he taught that back there in Matthew chapter 7. And verse number 21. Not everyone that say to me. See, everybody, just because people go to church don't mean they're going to heaven. Amen, like. Not everyone that said to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that do the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now we know what they had to do. They had to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Then in verse 22, he said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name we have cast out devils. In your name we have done many wonderful works. And then the Lord said, I will profess unto them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. In that supper, you did all this in the name of the Lord. But still, let me show you, let me show you where we're going. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. 
See, this is what happened to the disciples when they came back. This really happened. And Jesus is going to let them know. Start verse 17. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And the 70 returned. These are people he had chosen, called, anointed. Verse 17. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. See? But see, that don't mean you're saved. See, you got to understand, don't, 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 don't miss out on people using Jesus' name and shun dying and think that's salvation. That ain't no salvation. Jesus said to them, he said, look, the devil are subject to us through your name. And he said to them, I beheld Satan's lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give to you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Though he gave them that power when he sent them out in, in the earth into Israel. But here in verse 20 says, but notwithstanding, I mean, don't brag on that now. That's not what it's about. And this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice rather because your names are written in heaven. See, he's letting them know, this is what you're going to rejoice in. Because I'm going to show you just a few moments that he's really talking about the book of life. We'll get to that. We're on our way there now. We're coming down, coming down the road right there, headed to your house. All right, now let's go to the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 24. All right, I gave you that. I, I, I finished that, didn't I? Matthew 25. Did I finish that? Matthew 25. Let me make sure I finish that before I go anywhere. I talk about the ten virgins. All right, I did finish that. Okay, so let's go to, to Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Because this morning I talked about the flood. I just got through talking about it again, as the days of Noah, before the flood. All right, let's go to Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. So you have to understand the word of the Lord. I'm going to show you two places in Daniel. I'm going to show you Daniel chapter 9, and then I'm also going to show you Daniel chapter 12. So remind me of that before I leave Daniel. Daniel 9 and verse number 24. From the book of Daniel, chapter 9 and verse number 24. All right. I'm going to read that out of NLT, guys back there. 924. I'm going to read that out of NLT uh, because I want you to hear it a little differently. I don't, I'm not reading. This only thing I probably read out of the NLT is Daniel if I do Daniel. 924. Here we go. In verse number 24. A period of seven sets of sevens. Now, when I do this early, I'm going to show you. Uh, matter of fact, I'm just going to go do all Daniel now while I'm there. Go back to Daniel 8, uh, verse 13. Let's back back. Let's get all of Daniel while we're there. Daniel chapter 8 and verse number 13. And I'm going to show you how long before the temple be trampled. See, you ought to know he's not talking about you because you have no temple today. It does, it's not hard. You can Google that. All right. Daniel chapter 8, verse 13. Then I heard two holy ones talking to each other, 
One of them asked, how long will this event of the, this vision last? Remember, that's what the question in Matthew 24, how long? How long will the rebellion that causes desecration stop the daily sacrifice? Remember, he told you, when you see the abomination or desolation, right. How long will they stop the sacrifice? How long will the, how long will the temple and heaven's army be trampled on? I mean, how long are they going to trample on God's army and, and heaven and the temple? How long? Here it is. Then the other replied, it would take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the temple will be made right again. All right. What's he going to say? Verse 15. And as, as I, Daniel, was trying to understand the meaning of this vision, someone who looked like a man, talking about Gabriel, stood in front of me. Now, that's an awesome thing. Well, you'd be reading the word and you looking up and you see the angel standing right there in his face. And I heard a human voice calling out from the Uliah River, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of this vision. And Gabriel approached the place where I was standing. Wow, getting serious. And I became so terrified, I know what you mean, that I fell with my face to the ground. Son of man, he said, you must understand that the events you have seen in your vision relate to the time of the end. Now, he's talking about the time when Christ came. That's the first thing I read to you in Hebrews chapter 9, 24. Remember that? I read to you that Jesus came at the time of the end. That's the first thing I read to you. See, if you, if you listen, you'll get it. Verse 17, Gabriel approached the place where I was standing and I was so terrified, I fell on my face. And son of man, he says, you must understand that the events you have seen in your vision relates to the time of the end. While he was speaking, I fainted. And I laid there with my, I know a lot of folks saying I would have stood, took, no, you can do the same thing Daniel did. You're going to faint, you're going to wake up again, faint again. <laughs> While he was speaking, I fainted. And I lay there with my face to the ground, but Gabriel raised me up with a touch and helped me to, on my feet. Yeah, I know. Then he says, I'm here to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. Remember I told you this morning, when the, when the Lord come, it'll be a time of wrath? Right. That, I read you that when I told you about Matthew 4, 7. Jeremiah was preaching. Not Jeremiah. John the Baptist who has warned you to flee from the, from the wrath to come. Now he's telling you, I'm here to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. That's what he's talking about. When the Lord come at the, at the end, of, end of their dispensation. What you have seen pertains to the very end of time. Two men, horn, ram, two horn, ram, Present the kings of Media and Persia. So he's telling you what these two men, that's why I want to read it out of this. See, that's what those two rams' horn mean. Persia. Each horn was a king. Horn means power. The shaggy male goat represent the king of Greece. And the large horn between his eyes represent the first king of the Greek empire. The four prominent horns that replaced the one large horn showed that the Greek empire would break into four kingdoms, but none of, the, none of the great as the first horn. And the Bible said, and at the end of their rule, when their sin is at its height, a fierce king, master of intrigue, will rise in power. He'll become very strong, but not by his own power. 
he was caused a shocking amount of destruction and succeed in everything he does. He would destroy powerful leaders. He would devastate the holy people. He would be a master of deception. He would come so arrogant, he would destroy many without warning. He would even take on the prince, the prince of princes in the Bible. But he would, I'm sorry. He would even take on the prince of princes in battle. But he would be broken, sure will. Though, though not by human power. This vision about the 2300 evenings and morning is true. But none of these things will happen for a long time. So keep the vision or secret. Then our Daniel was overcome for a lack of sick for sick days. It, it got, he was sick. He couldn't handle it. And I understand Daniel. You're not by yourself. Daniel 9 and 20. We're going to start with Daniel 9 and 20, and we're going to read right on down to 27. Daniel 9 and 20. So here's Daniel praying. So I kept on praying, Daniel said, confessing my sin and the sins of the people, pleading with the Lord, my God, for, for Jerusalem, and his holy mountain, because he know they're getting ready to be destroyed. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision, the early chapter, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. Now we have the Holy Ghost. We don't have Gabriel. So don't be around and ask for Gabriel to come tell you something. All right, you end up getting the devil. All right. He said, I've come to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so you can understand the meaning of your vision. A period of 70 sets of seven, 490 years, has been, discreet, has been decreed for your people and your holy city. Watch this. In 490 90 years. Your city gonna be fin is going to be finished their rebellion. God's going to finish their rebellion. God's going to put an end of their sin. Now, we have to, you know this had to be Christ when he came. All right. He come to atone for their guilt. He come to bring in everlasting righteousness. He come to confirm the prophetic vision. He come to anoint the, the most holy place. The most holy place. Now listen and understand, seven is set for 190 years, plus 62 sets of seven would pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem was rebuilt when Christ was born. On, on, because they came out of, they had been in, in captivity, remember, so they came back home. The temple had to be built. Remember, Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days. I, he told that man, 46 years we built this temple. Y'all remember all that, and I know you do. I'm just, I'm just telling you because I already know. I'm, I don't know why I'm telling you something you already know, but anyway. All right. Seventy sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, come to Jerusalem. That's right. And he will rebuild the streets. They're going to rebuild the streets and strong defenses despite the perilous time. After this period, I'm in verse 26, after this period of 62 sets of seven, now it's AD 30, the anointed one will be killed. Now you got to track your time. You in AD 30 now. Jesus just died. 
All right, so you got 40 more years. Appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. Can't you see after Jesus died? Right, you understood that. I heard you say, yeah. Right. The end will come. Here it is. The end will come with a flood. Remember, remember he talked about the flood? I just read it to you when I started out, remember? All right. As the days of Noah before the flood. Right. The flood was the tribulation. So he said the end will come with a flood and war and its miseries and decrees from that time to the very end. Well, how long is it going to be the flood? If you go back to Noah, how long was the flood? Forty days and forty nights. Some of y'all need to read your Bible again. But how many, how many days is the flood during Christ's time? It's going to be 40 years. From the day Christ died, A.D. 30, until the destruction of Jerusalem was 40 years. So you got there how long it's going to be the flood, talking about the tribulation and persecution of Israel killing them, 40 years, until they finally destroyed the temple and the people that were left. See, if you can see that, you can see that. All right? The end will be with the flood and war, and its misery are decreed for that time to the very end, which is going to be 40 years from Christ's death. Christ died A.D. 30. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, or seven years before the, the temple is destroyed. He's going to make a, a, a treaty. But after half time, three and a half years, into that seven years, he will put an end to the sacrifices and the offerings. That's when you see the abomination of desolation. And what he's going to do is he's going to put on the temple something like with wings, his, his idol. Plus he's going to be in the temple. That's what Jesus told you all that's going to happen. So all that had to happen in the 40 years that Jesus died, after he died. So he said he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And, and as a sacrilege, as a climax to all these terrible deeds, he's going to set up a sacrilege object that causes desecration. That means when you see the abomination of desolation. Remember that? In the temple. All right. So he's going to take over the temple for his headquarters. All right. Until a fate decree for this defiler is finally poured out on him. That means the Lord is going to finally come and destroy him. All right. So when you can see all of that already happen, that's why we're going to move to the other, because he said the end is going to come in like a flood. Well, let's go and show you that in Isaiah 59. The enemy is going to come in like a flood. Let's show you that in Isaiah 59. See, you need to mark these things in your Bible. Isaiah chapter 59. The enemy going to come in like a flood. So in Isaiah chapter 59, you will see God already told us about that. And we're going to start reading with verse number 16. Isaiah, we're going to come to your camera again. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 16. And he saw that there was no, this is when Christ came. And he saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. 
For he put on righteousness. This is what Christ did when he came to the earth. He put on righteousness as, as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. He put on a garment of vengeance for clothing and clad with the zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds and according to According to their deeds and accordingly he will repay them. Fury for his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, and the island he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. Remember, that's how Israel is going to begin to come in to destroy destroy. Uh, the, the enemy going to come and destroy Israel. But the Bible said when they come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard against him. Now, what is the standard? The Word. You got to know what the standard is. The standard is what? Is the Word the, against it. So that's how your life's supposed to be. When the enemy try to come against your life, you're going to lift up a standard. What's your standard? It's the Word. You got to understand, that's why you got to have the word. You're going to lift up a standard against him and the Redeemer. Here, here, here come their standard, it's going to be Christ. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. You know, underline that because I'm going to get ready to show you what Zion is. The enemy going to, the Redeemer, the Redeemer, that's who Christ is. Now, this verse is going to go connect to Romans chapter 11, verse 25 through 36. So you want to write that down. Write that down, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. We're going through these next. The Redeemer going to come to Zion. This way you'll know where your Lord is. He's in Zion. All right? And the Redeemer, that's Christ. But it doesn't say the Redeemer when I get to Romans. He's going to say the Deliverer. He's going to say what? The deliverer. When I go to Romans 11, 25 through 36, he's going to tell you it's the deliverer. Where he is called the redeemer in the Old Testament, he's going to come to Zion. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. And the verse 21 said, They are for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is on thee, and my word which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of thy mouth of your seed, nor the mouth of your seed, see, saith the Lord, from henceforth, from ever, ever. And that's why you're supposed to have your word in your children. Your word, your children got to know the word. It's not enough for you to know the word. You got to talk the word around your, your, your children. They got to know the word too. Because this is, this is a spiritual thing. And they got to know the word. That's why you need to make sure your children are under the word. I, 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 I like the way, I, I like to see that I got parents in here. And I, I, it just really blesses me that brings their grandchildren to church. It, it's an awesome thing. You can't wait till the, the, the parent bring them. If you the your grandparent, you bring them. And that's a blessed thing to do because you don't want to see your grandchildren die and go to hell because the parents is, is not fulfilling the obligations. Somebody got to get it done. Let's get them a big hand, those people. You're not going unnoticed. Seeing you bring your grandchildren to church, that's a blessing. Amen. That's what you're saying. I'm not going to let the enemy get my grandkids. All right. All right. Now, let's move to uh, Romans 11. That's where I'm going to take you to. Right? We're going to go. Uh, let's do Isaiah before we get there, please. Isaiah 6, 9 through 11. And then let's go to Romans eleven twenty five 25 through 36. All right. 
This word I gave you shall lift up a standard against him. I'm going to give you the verse for that if I get a chance to do it. And that's Revelation chapter 12, verse 13 through 17. Write that down. When the enemy come in, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up. Let's just do that first, okay? Revelation 12, 13 through 17. Then we do Isaiah 6. Revelation chapter 12. That way we have it in order. Revelation chapter 12. See, all this is in the book of Revelation because this is the, all the answers I like to put it in the back of the book. I found that out when I was in school. Anytime I didn't know the answer to something, I look in the back of the book and peeped out. Mm, I got that. You do know the answers in the back of the book, right? Right. That's why the book of Revelation is the answer. All that stuff you don't understand, you can look in the book and find out what happened. All right, Revelation, I told you, chapter number 12, verse 13. Watch this. Verse 13. We're going to come back to your camera, sir. Revelation chapter 12, verse 13. And when the dragon, remember the dragon, old serpent Satan, he saw that he was cast out into the earth, he persecuted the woman who was brought forth the man child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is a nourished, watch this, for a time, time, and half a time from the face of the serpent, which is three and a half years. And the serpent, that's what I just read to you. Remember I just read to you the three and a half years? Uh, back there, so when the enemy come in like the flood, the Spirit of the Lord going to lift up the standard. All right, that's what I'm giving you an answer to now. And verse number 15, it says, And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he may cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now we know the flood is the persecution and the truth. That's what the enemy is doing as he's persecuting the church. All right. Then the Lord came. That's what I'm going to show you. And the earth helped the woman. That was us. And the earth helped the woman and swallowed up the flood with the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. That's how it works. You have to understand that. When the enemy come against you, he don't stop at you. He goes right on to the children. That's why you got to make sure your children know the word. And the dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know neither one of them is you. All right, we're talking about Israel. But let's go back now and show you Isaiah. Chapter number 6 and verse 9. See, all this stuff you can really dig into. I'm just peeling the surface to give you a little bit wet your whistle. You have something to whistle when you're going home today. Isaiah chapter number 6 and verse number 9. Are you there? Now Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah had been given a commission. And his job was to make sure he prophesied to Israel. Now that prophesy came to pass in Matthew chapter 13 in Jesus' ministry because they would not see. The gospel will be preached to them but they would not hear it. And all this is going to happen so they can reject the gospel so we can be saved. 
See, when you see how awesome God is, if they had accepted the gospel of the kingdom, you would not have been in it. So God allowed Israel to reject the gospel of the kingdom so they will be saved when Christ returns so you can get saved in the meantime. Come on, give the Lord a great big hand. All right, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 9. And he says, go tell this people, this is what God told Isaiah, go tell this people, hear ye indeed and understand not. That's also Jesus said this in Matthew 13, 11 through 14. He says, hear ye indeed and understand not. See indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and be converted and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted. So he told you how long it's going to happen. They're going to be blinded until the cities be wasted without inhabitants. The houses will be without man. The land be desolate, utterly desolate. See, that's when it's going to happen. Israel will destroy it. And the Lord have removed men far away. They went in captivity. And there's a great forsaken in the midst of the land. But you, but yet in it shall a, be a tent. Remember, it was 144,000. Tent of, or tent of each one. 144,000 of all the tribes of Israel. All right. But in it a tent in the land, it shall return and shall be eaten. As a teal tree, as an oak, with the substance in them, when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. All right, we'll get to that later. All right, now let's go to the, the last thing I want to give you here before I finish. Look at Matthew 13. I showed you that. Matthew 13, 11. Matthew chapter 13. See, Jesus taught this in his parable. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 11. See, Israel was blinded on purpose so we could be saved. That's why I want to show you they were the one looking for Christ, not you. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why speakest thou to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. That's what's going to happen. That's what happened to Israel. Here it is in verse 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because they seeing see not, hearing hear not, Neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, by hearing, I just read it, you shall hear, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. Isaiah said this, hearing, you shall hear and shall not understand. Seeing, you shall see, but you shall not perceive. Why? Because this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, the eyes they have closed, lest at any time they shall see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and shall understand with their heart, and shall be converted, and I shall heal them. See, that's a process. If you hear the word, you believe the word, God will heal you. See, he's telling you the process. This people's hearts are wax growth. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes, see the ears, 
They won't hear the word. The eyes, they close their eyes. Lest at any time, if they could see with their eyes and hear with their heart, their ear, they could be saved. See, that's what you got to understand. That's how to be saved. You got to hear with your ear. You got to see with your, your eye will open when your ears get the word in it. You never got to worry about your heart opening. You got to understand something. God would open your eye, open your heart if you would hear the word. You got to hear the word. And see, that's why parents leave their children at home and wonder why they're not saved. You won't let them come and hear the word. The word is the power of God. If they'll hear that word, their eyes are open. Their heart will open. If they'll hear the word, if they get the word going here, eyes open. How did God open their eye? By hearing the word. How do faith come? By hearing the word. That's how you got to understand. Faith is in the heart. And the heart can't receive the faith until the ears hear the word first. Come on, clap your hands. I know you're hearing that. You got to hear the word. Then the word will go to your heart. All right, now let's go where I told you I'm going to go. Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. Now watch this here, what I want to give you, because I want to wait and close on this. Isaiah 25, I think the Holy Ghost for setting me up like this. Isaiah 25, verse 6 through 9. Now watch what happened. He's giving you Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Verse number 6. In this mountain. Now remember, this is what Jesus died. He died where? In the mountain. But the mountain was a kingdom. You had the kingdom of this world, and then you had the kingdom of God. So you had to die in the mountain. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people, watch this, a feast of fat things. Well, what was the feast? Lamb. Remember when Jesus died on the cross? It was a feast. God was feasting his son. Somebody said it was a feast. See, it was a feast of Passover. So if you go back and look at when Jesus died, it was the feast, absolutely the feast of Passover. He just had ate the bread and the wine that night, remember, before he crucified? And at that time, it was called the feast of Passover. So you got to understand, this is the fulfillment. When Jesus died on the cross, he was fulfilling Passover. He was the lamb. Somebody say amen. They roasted that lamb too, didn't it? Y'all got to understand me. And in this, in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people, all people, a feast of fat things, a feast of wine on the leaves, a of fat things full of marrow, wine on the lead. See, bread and wine. And what happened when he on that cross? He was destroyed in this mountain the face of the covering. Now watch what the face of the covering is because only one thing failed, a lot of stuff failed, but this particular in the temple, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. So watch what he said he did. He will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering. All right. He will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering. Watch this. Cast over, watch this, all people. 
It was cast over all people. So when you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4, especially chapter 4, verse 4, it said, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Well, what was the God of this world? The Old Testament covenant. The law. Remember, it's the letter that kills. How was Israel blinded? We're going to go back there, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Nate. They were blinded because they sat under the law. And this is what people are happening. This is what happened all over this country. Although we don't have it anymore, people are going back to works. They don't want grace. So they sit under a law teacher who don't know he's a law teacher. And the people are blinded from the truth. See, that's what's going on, man. You got to see this thing. All right? Religion will destroy your life. When Christ died on the cross, verse 7 says, he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people, comma, and the veil that is spread over all nations. He told you what it was. It was the veil. He will swallow up death. Now, this is what Christ did in his death. Let me say it again. This is what Christ did on the cross in his death. He swallowed up death. Who death? Your death. You don't have no more death coming. There's no more death. Old things have passed away, remember? One of them is condemnation and one of them is death. One of them is sin. Watch what he did. He swallowed up death in victory. Oh, death, where's your stain? Remember 1 Corinthians 15? And the Lord God will wipe away. See, people think it's going to happen. No, he already did that. Wipe away all tears from all faces and rebuke of his people shall he take away from off the earth for the Lord has spoken it. He's already done it now. And it shall be said in that day, talk about on the cross, the Lord is our God. Hallelujah. That's why we can say it now. The Lord is our God. We have what? Waited for him. What? Those people, the Lord came to them and watch what he said to them. They're, in that day, they will say the Lord is our God because once he revealed himself to them, he's going to say, we have waited for him. You didn't wait for him. See, you got to hear what the word says. Isaiah is prophesying. I'm going to go back to verse 6. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make all the people a feast. Talking about the cross. And verse 7, he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covenant. When he died on the cross, he's going to destroy the veil that spread over all nations. He's going to swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe all tears away from all faces. The rebuke of his people, the rebuke of his people, his people, shall he take away from off all the earth. For the Lord has spoken it. Talking about his people. What only you? Yet. And it shall be said in that day, lo, he is our God. See, they're going to open their eyes. When their eyes are open, they're going to know. He is our God. We have waited for him. He will save us. Why? Whosoever shall call the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13. He will save us. This is the Lord. And we have waited for him. 
We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. We will be. We will rejoice. We will. You already rejoice. Come on, rejoice right now. Yeah, this is, this is what you got to say. In that day, I like that. We have waited for him. We have waited for him. See, that's what happened. That's why I gave you Titus chapter 2. That's what they were doing. They was waiting for the Lord. You've never been waiting for the Lord. See, that, that's why you got to understand that. Let, let me finish this because I got, I, got I got enough here to, to hold your whistle over a little bit here. All right. Now, I gave you Isaiah chapter 25 already, right? They destroyed the veil. Now, I gave you that in, let's show you that in Matthew 27 where the veil was destroyed. I know you know this, but I'm just going to take this time to just show it. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50. See, the veil of the temple was destroyed. And you got to understand what the veil did. It, was, it blinded Israel. Matter of fact, I'm not going to be able to go there because I, well, I go there now since I'm there. But I got to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 50. We're going to go 50 to 53. Coming back to your camera, sir. Got the hell laid, boy. I used to be there, son. I used to be there. Verse 50. Verse 50. Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent twain. What did he do? He tore the veil of the temple down. What did he do that for? So you couldn't worship the law no more. So you couldn't, you couldn't go behind. See, the high priest could not go behind the veil. Nobody could go behind the veil because the glory was behind the veil. So when he tore that veil down, everybody can worship. You don't have to be there to worship. You can worship in spirit and in truth. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And watch this. And the earth did quake. He's talking about the temple. It did quake and rocks rent. And the graves were open. Many bodies of the saints, were none of us yet, which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. Watch this. And they went into the holy city. They went into the holy city. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. Let's see where they went. Hebrew chapter 12. See how that quick thing, that quick. Hebrew chapter 12, let's see where they went. They went into the holy city. If you know where they went, you'll know where the Lord is. I said they went into the holy city. Hebrew chapter 12, verse 22. Come in your camera over this side. Give you some air time over there. Hebrew 12, 22. But you are come to Mount Zion. See, you got to understand where people go if they saved, if they resurrected with Christ and they entered into glory. Where do they go? They go to Mount Zion. Some of you ought to be listening to this, man. You, you don't be no up there, over there somewhere. You got to know what to tell the people. I'm giving you the verse. But you are come to Mount Zion. What is about Mount Zion? Mount Zion is the city of the living God. Mount Zion is the heavenly Jerusalem. You know, people telling you we're we going to all go back over Jerusalem and that's where we're going to meet the Lord. Nah, you go over there. I'm going up there. 
He said, but you are come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God. Mount Zion is the city of the living God. Isn't that awesome? Mount Zion is the heaven of Jerusalem. Mount Zion is where the innumerable company of angels are. See, we got angels around us, but not like Mount Zion. You are going, we are going to the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. That's not you. That's Israel. I'm going to show you that. I'm going to show you. Their name was written in heaven. See, we're going to write my name. You're going to write your name. You know, the Old Testament, your name was written. They kept a roll call in the Old Covenant. All right? The general assembly, the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Don't forget, I'm going to tell you about that later. You'll come to God, the judge of all, and to spirits of just men made perfect. And then you'll come to Jesus. That's what Jesus is. He's in Mount Zion. He's the meter of the new covenant. You'll come to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better thing than that of Abel. See, that's what all that is all in Mount Zion. So don't let nobody tell you all this stuff. The Lord is in Mount Zion. And the reason why he could not come, listen, because Paul has not, had not finished his work. When Paul finished his work, he made a declaration. And he said it this way, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my work. And when that happened in the book of Revelation says, that was an announcement. Salvation is finished. See, God had to wait till the Gentiles. In the old dispensation, he had to wait till the fullness of the Gentiles they come. And once they came in, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my work. Now it's laid up for me, what? A crown of righteousness which the righteous judge will give me at that day. And not only me, but all them that love his what? Appearing. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.